This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome and thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking a good gardening stroll shortly, but right now, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Questions, comments, concerns, Alex will be answering the phone. So uh, if he miss, uh, <laughs> or he doesn't quite understand what your name is, that's fine. So if you need to spell it, that's fine as well. Just what your name is, and where you're calling from. And Mr. Kelly, yo, how was your week off? It was very nice. Got a lot of work done. Work. Uh, like there was a lot of uh, the sunflowers were dying off, so I got rid of those. I snipped off deadheaded the plants, which made it look so much better to get all that brown stuff off of there. Uh, cleaned up around the uh, compost pile. Whoa. Uh, pr- transplanted some strawberries. Whoa. And put them out in the sun, get them out of the shade. <laughs> so next year in our in our old strawberry patch, I think we're going to go with some like leafy greens because they grow well in the shade, right? Well. Oh, come on. give me Feed me something here. <laughs> so what can I grow in the shade? Nothing edible or very really? little edible. I thought it looked to me like it said, you know, like lettuce and kale. You know, some of that's, I don't know about kale, but some of that stuff you could do and kind of, and in the spring it gets some sun, yeah. obviously, because we had some strawberries. Right. So, so if, I'll just do it early. If it's shade of a tree, then you can do yeah. lettuce in the early season leafy okay. stuff. That's what we'll do then. But not midsummer. Stuff. Not mid. No, we don't need that. No, I'm talking about spring, oh, okay. maybe fall, but right. mainly spring stuff. Right. So yeah, it was great. And I got to tell you this story. This, the whole vacation was, it was kind of, yeah, it's nice to be on vacation. Here's the key. If, if you're stuck at home, the question is what, where do you sit on a beach chair? On a beach, right? Yeah. <laughs> so if you're stuck at home, take out your beach chair and put it on your back yard or on your back porch, your back patio and sit in a beach chair. And your mind thinks we're in a beach chair. You must be at the beach. <laughs> and it, it changed the whole atmosphere when I would sit there. You have your beer sitting next to you. And I was sitting there at the garden, looking at the garden. And the hummingbirds are buzzing right over my head. And they fly low sometimes. And if you're that low, you're looking right at them as they skim along the ground right. chasing each other. And it's just a simple little thing like that. And it really made a difference. All right. Yeah. Well, perfect. So there's my advice of the day. If, if you feel landlocked, then get out of beach chair. 
and a bag of sand. So I thought about sand. I told Sue, let's get a couple bags of sand that I'll put my toes in it. But I didn't have to. So anyway, just a silly little thing that All right. actually worked. Made your vacation well worth it. It, it did help, yes. All right. So. Well, thanks, Brian. You're welcome. Yes, folks, Saturday morning we get together and we have a discussion about what's impacting your landscape. Whether it's a garden space, whether it's uh, your house plants, get them ready to start coming in. Boy, <laughs> when it's this cool. What is potting mix? How to improve your soil? Do you need to be still worrying about insects and bugs and things like that? Like in all the cicadas falling out of the trees. Boy, oh boy, it's amazing how many there are laying on the ground right now. And uh, using information to make good decisions. My thoughts, hopefully, will offer you an option, but the final judgment is going to be on your shoulders. And by the way, this is your show, and I appreciate you inviting me into your car, home, or wherever you happen to be listening. Another very important player, as I said before, is Alex. He's the producer. He answers the phone, and then all he needs to know is your first name and where you're calling from, not anything related to your questions. I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. I can come to your home and do landscape consultations. If you'd like for me to come and do a walk and talk, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. The homepage has my email address and phone number where I can be reached. Well, let's get moving. Today's stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Well, fall begins on Tuesday. And as tradition has it, the Good Gardening Stroll is around my landscape the last Sometimes it actually happens right on the day of, let's say, the new season or whatever. But uh, summer was really quite nice. It wasn't overly hot, I didn't think. But you had to stay and you have to continue to stay up with the watering. And starting on the east side of my home, that's a bed space in between the garage and the alley. I had several months of great color because of the you know purple coneflowers. I've cut the stems down now, but I cut the flower heads off and let them fall. And the goldfinches come in and just have great fun with them. Now, I have made a mistake in that area, too. I love uh, lemon verbena, but it is so aggressive, and it's I'm starting to get rid of it. I'm going to have to I – ho- I was hoping just to have a couple clumps, but it just doesn't stay as a couple clumps. So, anyway, lemon verbena's got to go. And uh, – Next beds, sweet alyssum, and the sedums really show it as expected. And a neighbor of mine wanted to trade some of my sweet alyssum for some plants of hers. I said, well, I don't know if digging up sweet alyssum this time of year and moving it is going to make it so it's going to actually work for you. So I said, no, let's don't do that. But anyway, I tried to grow moonflowers this year in a window box at the base in, you know, by my fence. It didn't do so well. It did flower some, but the foliage and everything else does not look very good. So when I go home today, the uh, moonflowers are coming out. And uh, next, around the backyard, pots of lantana, portulaca, two different varieties of cannas. Probably my favorite one is a little bit shorter. It has yellow as opposed to some of the other colors the land or the cannas can have. Elephant ears, purple passion, thyme, which is all have exceeded my expectations. 
There's planters of purple passion and variegated spider plants as well with some small. I had some elephant ears that were like the size of a, let's say, a ping pong ball, maybe not even that big. So I thought, well, we'll see what happens. And they all really have come up, so it's really been a little bit of a surprise. I've got some Rex begonias and... uh, Underneath my mugo pine, hosta, Japanese painted fern, and purple coral bells. And pizzazz, that's really adds some pizzazz. Along the front walk, you know, to the doorway, front door, elephant ears and cannas and pots with some tropical things in color. My lawn really did very well this year. I did a lot of hand weeding and it uh, really worked well. So hand weeding, getting rid of the... Uh, crabgrass and getting rid of some of the other things that have really been problematic and uh, didn't really use any herbicides at all on my lawn. But I have really stayed consistent with the watering, and that's really important, and fertilizing. I just use Scott's Liquifeed. I don't use one. It doesn't say specifically for lawns or anything else. So it's just whatever, you know, whatever the Liquifeed happens to be. I think it's just all-purpose. I think the analysis is like 1248 or something along that line. Now, the three sugar maples that wrap around our house because we're on a corner, one of them is, was stressed out. And uh, the top of it, some of the branches were already defoliating, and the bark was coming off the branches. And then that's right next to the area where Spire had to dig down and uh, put in a new gas line for us. Why we needed it, I guess our house just had an old gas line or something. But anyway, that chopped a bunch of the root systems off. And so we'll see if this uh, sugar maple makes it through the winter and comes back next spring. Um, boy, oh boy. Overall, summer 2020 has been, I think, striking. There's no getting around it. Now into fall. And uh, the unfortunate thing related to fall is there's already a lot of falling leaves, not just from sycamores and things like that, but all kinds of different trees are losing leaves. It's because of the moisture. And we can watch them. Christie Park's right across the street from us, so we can just walk underneath some of the trees and wonder, whoa, that's a lot of leaves to be down this early. And it's not even fall yet, but still a few days for fall to come. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. If you have questions, concerns, or comments, we're going to start off in Overland and go into Mary's yard. Hi, Mary. Good morning, Mike. How are you today? Very good. Well, I'm so glad your show is on. You're the only thing that makes getting up at 8 o'clock worth it on a Saturday morning. <laughs> But my first question is, um, Mike, red, big, giant cannas did not bloom. And I the foliage is phenomenal. But none of them bloomed. And they were large um, bulbs. So is, is, or anybody else have problems like this? I don't think so. You know, I can't say because I haven't seen them all. But uh, that's really surprising because, you know, my cannas have been spectacular. And actually... You know, my cannas got pollinated. I don't know if it was by hummingbirds or something. And now I've got some canna seeds, and I've never grown cannas in the past from seed because I've never had any seeds form, you know, after the flowering. So consequently, I'm going to try to grow them from seed 
as well as the tubers next year. But, yeah, that's really surprising. If you had good foliage and everything else and no flowers, that's a little disappointing. Right. And then a few weeks ago I called because I was having trouble because I didn't have enough sun in the place where I just tried to start growing tomatoes. Mm -hmm. Behold, you said I had to paint them. Well, uh, they didn't work very good either, painting them red. So. But but now I did put them into a brown bag, like uh, one of the collars. Right. And they're fabulous. Oh, really? So they did, so it worked? It worked. So tell those people like me who screwed up on the, the tomato planting, put them in a, in a brown bag. Right. So, I mean, and- or even late, you know, late season tomatoes. They're not going to have a chance outside to uh, to ripen up, so that's a good, you know, that gentleman that called, I greatly appreciate that. Right, and tell him thank you very much. Yes. And I so appreciate all your help with this. Have a great day. Well, thank you, Mary, and uh, yes, so green tomatoes and a paper bag in a f- period of time, they will ripen. Let's go over to Sally's yard, and she lives in Creefcore. Hi, Sally. Hey, good morning, Mike. How are you? Very good. I have two questions. One, I lost, or I think I lost, I'm pretty sure it's gone, a small azalea that I put in in the spring. And it was doing fine, and then all of a sudden it shriveled up and got brown. So I was going to dig it up, and um, what I did was I clipped all the, the tops of the stems off so it would be easier for me to dig it out. And everything was green. The The top of the plant itself was brown and shriveled up, but the stems were all green when I snipped it off. So I left it in the ground, and I'm just wondering, I'm curious. I mean, one way or another, I may have to uh, replace it anyway. Right. But um, is this plant dead, or is there any chance that it may come back? Uh, the chances of it coming back is going to be minimal. I mean, inside okay. the stems and everything else, the vascular system can stay, you know, viable looking, even though it's really, let's say, on the downhill slide. So once the foliage is gone, that's usually an indication that, yes, you could take, you know, I, a lot of times I tell people, just take your fingernail and scrape some, the underside of some of the bark to see if it's green. Yes, many times it can be green, but that does, ne- does not necessarily indicate that it is viable. It may be alive at that point but it doesn't have the strength or vascular system or whatever to get established. And azaleas are tough to grow anyway, and right. it probably just never got its root system established, so it wasn't uptaking anything. And with our crazy weather being so dry, I don't know if you were doing additional watering and all that other stuff. But, uh, yeah, I would say you don't necessarily have to take it out, but uh, keep your fingers crossed that it is still alive and uh, just good luck. Yeah, I, I was just curious because there are no leaves on it. There's no way for this plant to gather the sun and make food and all that stuff. Right. Anyway, I figured one way or another it may have to come out, but I'm going to give it a chance. My second question is this. Um, uh, it, it will preen work this time of year. I just weeded a large section of a bed that I have ground cover in. And it was just loaded with weeds. I did put preen down. This was about a month ago, but it didn't seem to be effective. And so I went out there. I hand weeded the whole thing. It took me three hours, and I put a lot of preen down and watered it in really good. 
Is preen going to be effective this time of year? Uh, potentially it could be, but uh, as the temperatures start dropping, you know, it's going to make it so whatever preen would be preventing, in other words, killing, it would, you know, they're already either gone or, you know, they've already germinated and be they were small enough that you couldn't see to weed them. But uh, I would say more than likely at this juncture, it was probably kind of a waste of your time and effort to put it down. I see. Well, it's done. I'm hoping that it works. Right. It was just just a thought. Thanks right. so much, Mike. Certainly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, may you know, may help. You just don't know because well, I, I figure it if it can't hurt. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So. Uh, This was such a large patch, and it took me, like I said, three hours to weed it. I thought, you know, I I, I just need a little help here. If the the preen will work, I'm willing to to use it. And so I sprinkled it and watered it in really well, and just I'm keeping my fingers crossed that it it will work. Yeah, that's the best thing you can do. All right. Thank you so much. Certainly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, let's go now over to Randy's yard. Hi, Randy. Hey, Mike. How are you? Very good. Uh, I have a question for the man whose opinion on horticultural matters I trust more than anyone else's. (laughs) How's that? Uh, (laughs) Do I have time to... uh, Do I still have time to move some uh, daylilies? And uh, if so, can I cut them back? Because that stimulates growth when you cut them back, and they're going dormant now. So um, am I, you know, interrupting that uh, process, or what would you do? No, you could still move them. Things that I would not move would be necessarily plants that, you know, have been in flower. Let's say you have asters or mums. That not that are recent purchases, but once anything that's in flower right now, I would not fool with moving. But anything like the daylilies, they've already finished flowering. Now, if you have like a Stella Deoro variety, some that are the continuous blooming ones, I wouldn't move those until springtime. But uh, the other ones, if they finish flowering, I'd go ahead and move them. Okay. I appreciate it. Certainly. Thanks, Randy. Sure. See you. And now let's see if we can get one more call in before break, and that's Mary. Hi, Mary. Hi. Hi. Um, yeah, I had a question. Um, well, I have two questions. Um, with the ground being so dry, um, I'm in New City, and it is just like a rock. It's so dry. Right. I've got this huge, some people call them arbor vitae. I think that's the Latin pronunciation, but it's huge. And it's been in my front yard since almost 1993. And it's doing really well, but I did start to notice some yellowish-brownish on some of the tips, and I thought, oh, I better start watering that. So I did. And I drip-watered it. In fact, I left the, um, the water on all night one night, and I kind of forgot about it. But it was drip-watered really, really slow. Mm-hmm. So it's looking a whole lot better. It's perked up, and... I used to think they had a deep taproot, but I don't know if I asked you or somebody else, and they said, no, they have a lot of lateral roots. Um, Is that right? Well, they do have lateral roots, but every plant has lateral roots. That's where the feeder roots are, but they can have a deeper root that keeps them from being blown over and things along that line. So. Okay, well, um, I pretty well evenly watered it all the way around the plant, except 
sort of towards my driveway, but I guess the idea is to keep watering it until we get some kind of rain or something. Yeah, if we have you know a week or so with no water or no rainfall, then go ahead and water it again. And since you've watered it really well, then the water that you, you're going to have to water maybe less period of time because the water, the ground is still soft from the watering you've done. So consequently, the water, the new water you're putting on it will penetrate into the ground much easier. Okay, and I don't exactly have to go all the way around the, the trunk, right? As well, long as ideally, I get the side front and yeah, I mean, you could get. Uh, you don't necessarily have to. Ideally, you would do that because there's feeder roots. But don't put it, you know, don't put the, if you're running the hose out to it, don't put it close to the trunk because the feeder roots are out beyond where the trunk is. Yeah, no, I put it away from the trunk okay. some. Great. Yeah, I got that. So I, I did put it away from the trunk, and it's perked up. It still has a little yellowish tinge on one side of the tree, um, you know, just kind of, I don't know, but I don't think, I don't hope it's not going to die. I don't think it will because it's no. still got a lot of green on it. Yeah, it's, you know. I wouldn't worry too much about it. The tips, you know, I mean, that could be weather-related for sure. But, okay. Uh, and then when would do. I stop watering it? Like late November or? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really hurt to water. And I mean, after Halloween, hopefully we're going to have some obviously rain. But uh, usually by that time, the plants are slowing down. You may still have to water if we haven't had any rainfall all the way up to that point. But for the most part, usually when we get to Halloween, additional watering in the landscape is not needed. Okay, and one other quick question. I've got some coneflowers, just got them this year, got them at, like, Lowe's, and they were doing really, really good, and they flowered. And every time they flowered, it seemed like as the flower died, the stem would look kind of brown mm-hmm. and would kind of die back some. And so I just snipped off most of the stem, in fact, the whole stem on some of them, and part of my question is, do they not like water on their leaves, and is that normal? Yeah, that's, um, no, that's normal. Basically, you should still have green foliage at the ground level, but the stems shoot up above that, and the stem is where the flower is, and that really has nothing to do with the overall health of the plant. So it's, it, that's just normal, that right. it would turn brown. Now, some of the leaves are a little brown, too. and do they, do they not like water on their leaves? No, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And no. how much they they can go out, they can get a little dry before you water them. You right. don't want to keep them constantly moist. Yeah, you don't want to overwater them. That's the worst thing you can possibly do. And maybe that's what I did because it got so hot, I made sure they had water every right. day. Oh, and they every like day, full yeah, sun, that's too right? much. Okay, and uh, on the little flower heads, if you keep those and you dry them out, those are just full of seeds, right? Yes. Okay. Okay. Great. Well, hopefully they'll go till next year and beyond because they're nice cone flowers. They are great fun. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Well, thanks, thanks for the show and thanks for all your advice. Sure. I listen every Saturday. Well, thanks for having me on your show. Mike okay. Miller K- Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, we're headed west to Wentzville and going into Keith's, Keith's yard. Hi, Keith. Good morning. Good mo- yes. um, my wife received a uh, angel trumpet plant for Mother's Day. Uh, it didn't do very well until I stuck it in the corner and ignored it. <laughs> um, now it uh, the first bloom finally came out, but it didn't open up. Now there's two more blooms that 
I don't know. They're just, they're not opening up. My main question is, is that, um, will that grow as a perennial in this zone? Uh, it's marginal. Deterra is a botanical name, D-A-T-U-R-A. So you can go check it out online. But, uh, I mean, they're spectacular, and you you see a few of them all over. But uh, the fact that it didn't, you know, the flowers didn't open up just meant it wasn't established enough, you know, whether it was growing in a pot or whatever you, ha- you know, wherever you had it. So it's, I mean, there are circumstances where it will survive outside, but, uh, I mean, that's just like some cannas, you know, you can leave outside, and depending upon the exact location, they come back fine, no problem. So it's just going to be an if, you know, an iffy kind of thing. Okay. Well, I put a lot of my house plants in my basement under fluorescent light. Oh. And uh, uh, most of them do quite well throughout right. the winter. Um, I wonder, I, I took a raspberry plant and thought it was dead and stuck it down there. And the next spring, I noticed it was green stuff coming out. Now it's planted, and um, I've gotten probably two pints of raspberries off of it oh, this year. Kidding. No. Uh, but anyway, uh, how did you spell that? D-A-T-U-R-A? Right, D-A-T-U-R-A, Deterra. Okay, and I could look, what do you say, on the Botanical Gardens? Yeah, website? you can go to mobot.org and uh, just check it out. Okay. Our, um, it's not in a very big plant, cause it, or pot, I mean, because it's it's a new plant. Um, will that... Uh, Will those that root system grow quickly and need to be repotted, or is it? Can I leave it in that pot for a couple of years? Or probably what do you not. A, you know, depending upon how big it is. But I mean, those plants get pretty big. They get like six feet high. Oh my! Yeah. Okay. So it's oh. it's going to get big. Oh. Well, I mean, it's going to take it a while, but uh, you know, some well-established ones. You know, as I visit people's homes or drive through neighborhoods or whatever, walk through neighborhoods. Yeah, you know, you see them in the distance, and some of them are really surprising how big they are. Oh, well, I guess I'm going to have to get a bigger boat. I mean, pot. Yeah, but don't right. fool with it. Not for the first couple of years. Leave it alone. Just leave it in that pot? Right. Well, thank you, sir. You have a great weekend. Yes, you do the very same thing. And now let's see. We're going from Winsville to Millstadt, Illinois. Hi, Eric. Hi, Mike. I've got a couple of questions for you. Um since it's been so dry, I haven't gotten around to aerating my lawn, and I usually put some compost down and some seeds sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was just wondering, is it too late to go ahead and aerate to do that this year yet? Now, are you are you talking about just aerating? Because you're almost getting to the end of time where you want to put seed down because it may germinate, but we don't know what the weather's going to be like. So newly germinated seed, if we have a cold snap, you know, where the temperatures, you know, let's say get lower than what they have been this morning, it could do some damage to newly germinated seed. So if yeah. I don't know how big your yard is or anything else, but uh, you could still do the core aeration. I'm assuming you're talking about a cool season lawn, a fescue or a bluegrass. Yeah, that's what it's cool season lawn. Okay. And I usually would go ahead and put some compost down for sure along with the, uh, uh, and I've got a, a fall fertilizer that I usually put down in September and November also. So right. put some fertilizer down, would that be still okay even if I don't put the seed down? Oh, yeah, definitely. 
Okay, that sounds good. And as far as any uh, like knockout roses, is it okay to trim those back a little bit now or wait longer for that? I would probably wait a little bit. You know, let them go as long as they possibly can. Let the rose hips, in other words, when the flowers finish, they start forming those balls. Let the rose hips form because that sort of signals to the rose that it's time for me to, time for me to go to sleep. Okay. And on some of the roses, they've got like a real hard sort of a thick stem. Um, it's sort of an outshoot. It doesn't seem like it's a true rose part. Is that okay to cut that back? If this thing is like a purplish stem and it's got a whole bunch of thorns on it, then you've got rose rosette. Okay. I think that's what it probably is. So is that okay that's a major that disease that's going to kill them. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for answering the question. Sure. My pleasure. And uh, Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. We're heading to South County and into Max's yard. Hi, Max. Hi, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I'm uh, looking to find out what you can do to control the buildup of thatch in a fescue lawn. I usually dethatch my lawn every fall, and I'm always amazed at how much dead grass there is in the lawn. And I'm thinking that, you know, when I water in the spring and summer, that I'm just watering this thatch stuff. Um, how do you keep that buildup from getting so bad? I usually bag it except after I fertilize fertilizer spray. Uh, basically, bagging has nothing to do with it. Thatch is not, let's say, clippings from mowing. Thatch is just dead, actually, part of the actually lawn plant. So what you're seeing is every blade that comes up doesn't stay green all season lawn long. Some of them will turn brown and die. So that's what thatch is. Thatch is just the result of a natural process of what lawn does. So there's no way to prevent it. There's nothing you can do. So, but if you don't remove it, it uh, it can cause major problems from fungus and bacteria. You know, that's why dethatching is really pretty important. Now, you don't have to necessarily dethatch if you have a yard where you get a lot of leaves falling off trees. You're going to rake those leaves. So, when you're raking the leaves, you're going to be raking the thatch out. So, like, uh, I usually cut my grass fairly tall. I put my lawnmower at the top notch. Um, is that a causing it, the, the grass to die? Uh, no, that doesn't really impact. I can't, you know, I, I have zoysia, but I put mine at a high level, too, because I like it soft. You cut it too close, and it's too bristly. And so, consequently, th- that has no impact on the amount of thatch you're going to have. Okay, because, uh, I mean, from a, a, a side yard, two side yards and a front yard, I got a four large containers full of thatch again. Every year I seem to get that much. Right. So, I mean, you got a healthy lawn or else you wouldn't have the thatch. You'd have big bare spots. Just keep dethatching then, huh? Exactly. (laughs) Okay, thanks, Mike. Sure. And now let's head to Glenn's yard. Hi, Glenn. Yeah, I've got a big oak tree. It's probably 15, 20 years old. And at the bottom of it, it looks like sap's coming out of it. Uh, is there splits in the bark or anything? No. So I would say don't worry about it. If you oaks generally don't have bores, 
If you had a bore problem, you'd have to really look closely where the sap's coming out, and bore holes are about the size of pencil lead. But I would say if the tree is overall healthy and everything else, if you get some sap oozing out, that's just sort of a natural process. Now, here a while back, there was uh, some, like, sawdust on the bottom of that tree. Well, you know, the the boars, there's like they're like I said, the sawdust is probably not related to insects. It's probably related to something beyond that. I just don't think. Okay. So I think if the tree's healthy, don't you're probably analyzing it too much. Okay. So does it have the leaf look good? The leaves color looks good. It's producing acorns. I'm assuming. Yes. So. I would say stop worrying about it. Okay, thank you. Sure. I mean, sometimes we can take things to the point where we're going beyond reality. Let's see if we can get another call in. Uh, Mike, can you get do it kind of quickly? Yes. Go ahead. I'm going to kill some crabgrass, and I offered it to my neighbor. It says on the label four weeks until you should do anything in your yard besides that. She wants to put some seed down. That gets into middle October. Is that too late? Uh, you, she may be wasting your money, mental money and real money both, because, again, the seed may come up, it may germinate, but it may not get established enough if we have a cold snap you know, sometime within, a, let's say, a month after it starts to grow. Okay. So, so well, I would say it's. The, I would say no. Down and right. Okay, thanks. Certainly, my pleasure. And we're not going to be able to get a John, Ron, or Jennifer. We can't get to you, but we will get to you next hour. So everything is so unbelievably dry. A couple of people have called and talked about it, but I cannot believe, you know, I'm watering, you know, my lawn and my landscape uh, once a week for about an hour so I can get some really deep penetration in the watering. And it's made everything really, I mean, it's been surprising, you know, how well things have done. But it is extremely dry. And the scary part is, okay, the aesthetics, you know, blah, blah, blah. We worry about that. But if we go into wintertime and we have a severe cold winter and the ground is dry, that's where the root system on trees, shrubs, and everything else have trouble. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, and this is the tip of the trial hour. So I'll be giving the tip of the trial shortly, but right now, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with your ideas, questions, comments, or concerns. And Mr. Kelly. Yes. um, Have you done one of those doctor visits virtual? No, I have not. Oh, really? No. Did you? Yeah. uh, they are screwy. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it, I think it's just totally bogus. Do you have to like get a uh, 
a popsicle stick and do your own like ah exactly I really mean, they don't all yeah. they do is look at you and talk to you yeah. so they don't take your pulse they don't take anything at all i think it's the nuttiest thing in the world they personally. don't do you have to like hit your own knee to check your reactions <laughs> things right. like that and do all that to yourself exactly. yeah Get no. the bathroom scale out and stand on it. <laughs> I don't want to do that, <laughs> that anytime. It's totally crazy. That's funny. And so uh, finally, I mean, I was supposed to have one coming up, and mm -hmm. I said, no, I'm not going to do it. Really? So I'm forcing him. I mean, some doctors are already allowing people to come in. Right. But other ones are, like, paranoid, I guess. They don't want to get, <sighs> but uh, so... It's just totally nuts. Yeah, that I haven't had to have one yet, oh. so I'll I'll try to go in to see mine. <laughs> yes. I got a question for you. I was out in the yard yesterday, and I'm trying to figure out what kind of trees we have. All right, and I know we have maples, so I'm looking at this one leaf, and I know you're a big hockey fan, right? Yes. And <laughs> <laughs> so I looked at one, and it, it looked like a maple leaf. It had a lot of little ridges, though. And see, the Toronto Maple Leafs, their uniform, they have, uh, their newer uniforms have like a traditional leaf with a lot of little notches in it. Mm -hmm. In the 80s and 90s, there, it was more squared, you know, like on their flag. Sure. So I thought, oh, okay, this is, this is a maple leaf. I mean, it looks just like their uniform. Well, I went to the next tree and looked at the next one, and it looked like a maple leaf, but it looked like the other version. So I am confused. <laughs> Well, let me tell you, uh, if you were only four to ten years old, you could take a class <laughs> at the Green Center and basically learn about trees and collect leaves in different shapes, sizes, and colors and use those leaves to create leaf of art. I so, I will do. I can't do it, though. I'm too old now. No, you could go for a five or six-year-old. You know what? You don't look very old. I'll do a news story on it. Then I get in, <laughs> get it free, and, I, and they may even feed me. Yeah, so it's yeah. a green center. I'm going to actually give them the tip of the trial, but that oh, what a coincidence that they have is. a class for four to ten-year-olds on leaf collecting. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> four to ten. Yes. That's like the puzzle I did recently. It said, uh, uh, what was it, four to ten years, and I, I did it in like three hours. I was pretty proud of myself. <laughs> well, great. Yes, folks, and by the way, thanks for having me on your show. We can discuss plant selection Cares, ups and downs, and all arounds of annuals. And let's say if you're buying mums or asters or anything that are in pots, budded, you might as well consider those as annuals because they're not really going to get uh, their root system likely established enough to be able to survive our winter. You might get lucky, though. They may. How about your bulbs, your uh, your summertime bulbs? It's almost time for them to start coming out, and then it's a little bit too early right now. But in another month or so, then your tulips and daffodils and grape hyacinths and hyacinths can be planted. How about your edibles, your cool season vegetables and leafy greens, your ground covers, houseplants, lawns, perennials. And if you start seeing some fungus gnats, basically, in your houseplants, before you bring them inside, get some, uh, some insecticidal soap, mix it up, and just pour it around on the surface of the soil every couple days that should eliminate that problem for you. Your roses, trees, shrubs, vines, and water gardens. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take. Strictly for offered to you to consider. Alex is producing, so he's across the big board. So when you call, he answers the phone. Just your first name and where you're calling from is all I need. And 
During the week, I do, and sometimes on weekends, I do landscape consulting, which I call walk and talk. If you'd like to schedule one, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. The homepage has my phone number and my email address. And I'll share 40-plus years of experience as it relates to your landscape specifics. Tip of the trial is a special recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on you, and it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. And guess what? As I was telling Brian, the Green Center, it's a place where they offer classes for children 4 to 10 years old. And Nature Play, October 2020 schedule, so I guess they're back to do classes. On Friday, October 9th, they're having something called Natural Automobile. On Tuesday, October 13th, Prairie Play. And then on Friday, October 16th, that's the Leaf Art. So again, these are classes that are done by the Green Center, and they are located on Blackberry Avenue in University City. So what you can do is just call Kathleen at 314-725-8314, extension 105, or you can go to classes at thegreencenter.org. And these classes, I've you know, it's a great place, and I've uh, gone where they did one of the classes just so I could watch. And the kids really have a great time. So it gets them outside, and they get to learn a lot of stuff about the outdoors. Again, October 9th, Natural Mobile, where you go around and have the kids. They're going to take a hike and collect all kinds of fall items and make a mobile to take home. So everything from sweet gumballs to acorns to leaves to pieces of bark to whatever catches their eye. And on the 13th, there's Prairie Day. Spend the afternoon investigating tall grass prairie habitat and learn what's hidden amongst the grasses and flowers. And then on Friday, that's the 16th, the leaf art. Learn about the trees and collect leaves of different shapes, sizes, and colors and use the leaves to create a leaf of art. So you got any kids, grandkids or whatever, 4 to 10 years old, perfect classes. These classes are always at 4 to 5 in the afternoon. So anyway, go to classes at greencenter.org. Let's see if we can get a call in before we take a break. Let's go to John in Chesterfield. John, how are you? Very good. How are you doing this morning? Very good. Uh, a couple of the callers in your previous hour sort of what I was getting, going to ask, but I didn't quite understand all of the answers. The guy that wanted to oversee now, did you say it's iffy or don't do it? Uh, you just don't. We don't know what the weather's going to be like. So you, if you've got the seed, you've already bought it, and you want to go ahead and just spread it, go ahead and do that. But I would not go out and buy seed to do it. Yeah, I got seed left over from repair job I did on my lawn two weeks ago, which is coming up just marvelously. <laughs> uh, the other thing is about rose bushes and the rose hip thing. Um, I had a flush of uh, flowers on hybrid uh, tea that died off like last weekend. So I trimmed the stems back to those to the five leaf branch kind of thing. Right. Okay. So is that going to, is it, is that okay to do? Is it, it's a too early to worry about getting the uh, uh, rose hips to form. Well, I would say go ahead and let the rose hips form. So yeah. I wouldn't do any kind of pruning, you know, on spent flowers after this point. Okay, because I got another plant that's got a, a whole bunch, well, a whole bunch of how many over that is of blooms or of buds uh, ready to open. So when those get done, leave them, right? Exactly. Okay. Now the more difficult question. 
I have uh, two Bird of Paradise plants. They're clones. Uh, one's doing reasonably well. The other one, the stalks, leaf stalks, they, they, they won't stand up straight. They keep just flopping over. It's, it's, you might get the impression maybe they're uh, they don't have enough water, but to get their I water both of them the same, so I don't think that's a problem. It may be the one is planted deeper in the pot, in the potting mix, of whatever you're growing them in, or are you growing them in the ground? In potting mix. Yeah. So maybe it's just planted too deep, and that's what the problem is. But if they're kind of bending over and really limp, a lot of times that does not mean that they're underwater. That means they've been overwatered, and the root system has trouble. And maybe, you know, in the pot they were just, like I said, planted too deep, and that causes Uh-oh. moisture problems. Uh-oh. So I would tip it over, pull it out of there, clean all the potting mix off that you have, and just kind of take a look at the root system just in general. And then let it dry. Don't repot it until a little bit later, about a couple weeks later. Then you know, plant it again in a different potting mix. You can put it back in the same pot if you like. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Too much water. Yep. <laughs> a lot of times people think wilting is because of not enough water, but a lot of times it's because the root system's already been rotted because there has been too much. Uh, so put more perlite in it? Or... No fertilizer this time of year. No, no, what I'm getting, with the new, with the new potting mix, you to put more perlite or uh, what's the white stuff? I can't remember the name of it. Vermiculite? Vermiculite, yeah, just to... to... So the uh, potting soil, potting mix drains? Well, you can do that, but if you buy good potting mix, it's going to have probably adequate vermiculite in it. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. Certainly. My pleasure. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, back to the phones. We're headed to Ron's yard. Hi, Ron. Good morning. Good morning. I appreciate your show. Well, thank you. I have a question about a pinnacle hydrangea I recently planted. How much water do I give it? This time of year, just want to make sure. Well, how long ago did you plant it? Uh, about a week. Uh, the first, Probably for the first two weeks, it wouldn't hurt to water almost every day. Not drowned, and hopefully you dug the hole three times the diameter of the root ball and about 20% of the you know, root ball above the surrounding ground. Because if you planted it at grade at the same level of the bed as you put it in, it could sink, and then you could end up with water puddling around the base of it. But if you planted it correctly, first, you know, let's say it doesn't have to be two weeks, but between seven and ten days or so, you should water it every day. So it doesn't, especially with the way our weather's been. When we get this wind and it's been so dry, but uh, then after that, you know, about uh, just watered once every, if it doesn't rain at all, once every week or so. Yeah, how much water should, I mean, a gallon or? Well, you, I mean, just so the, just so the, let's say you have mulch around it, I'm assuming. Yes. So pull the mulch back a little bit. And just, you know, you can see where the root ball is, you know, as a result of that. Just make sure the root ball is damp, not soggy. So it's hard to say a gallon or five gallons or one gallon or a quart or anything like that. Just kind of stand there with the hose and just water it so you water it all the way around. Yes. uh, During the day, or especially later in the day, 
the leaves tend to go a little limp. Is that a sign of too much water or not enough? No, probably at the end of the day, it's, you know, that's the hottest time of day. It may be just, you know, let's say it's, you know, the leaves are just kind of exhausted from, you know, and even well-established plants will do that. So I wouldn't worry too much about it. If it's not enough water, they would be wilted in the morning when you get up, not in the evening or the end of the day. All right. Well, thank you very much. Sure. So again, wilting in plant material, if it's wilted at the end of the day, don't worry about it. If it's wilted in the morning, that means you need to do some watering. Okay. All right. Thanks, Ron. Thanks for having me on your show. And let's go over to Jennifer's yard. Hi, Jennifer. Hi, Mike. Hi. I have a couple of azalea bushes in the front of my house in between my boxwoods. And when I first um, moved here, they bloomed every spring. The last couple years, they bloomed several times. And this year, they bloomed spring, summer, and they're in full bloom now. Wow. And I would like to cut them back. Um, when would I do that? <laughs> uh, how, are they just too big? Yes. I would say live with them being too big. You're lucky that you're getting to bloom. Most people are not having any kind of luck with them at all. Okay. So just live with it. Leave them alone. All right. Right. Thank you. Sure. Especially if it's a, you know, a bloomer or re, you know, let's say a repeat bloomer. Man, oh, man. If it was a spring bloomer only, then you prune right after they finish flowering in the spring. But the, all the other ones, since you're getting multiple bloom sequences, leave it alone. Okay. Thanks a lot, Mike. Sure. And from Jennifer, we're headed over to Mick's yard. Hi, Mick. Yeah. Hello. Hi. Hi. I'm from St. Charleston. We've got a tree. It's a sunset maple. It was planted by a nursery probably three, four years ago, and it's 10 to 12 feet high now. And it left the top of the ball exposed. And now the roots of the tree are showing above ground. They're anywhere from a half inch to an inch in diameter. Do I cover those roots, or what do I do about them? Yeah, just or put is- mulch. But, you know, that they planted it exactly right, where the top of the root ball should be above the surrounding ground. But that's not why you have surface roots. The maple trees generally just have surface roots, and other trees can as well. So just plan on the future Either, you know, just putting mulch, like three or four inches of mulch over the root system area, or ultimately you could grow a ground cover on it if you wanted to. Oh, okay. All right. Thank you, Mike. Yep. My pleasure. Yeah, I mean, uh, surface rooting is not something that's disastrous. It's actually something that just happens, and especially with our, you know— the, a lot of the trees that we grow here, and then also the density of our soils makes it so the surface roots are going to be more pronounced sometimes. So thanks, Mick. And now let's head over to Mary's yard. Hi, Mary. Hi. Can Hi. you hear me? Sure. Good morning. Good morning. Okay, I have a, a question. I'm in South, South City, and I need some shade in the front of my home, uh, primarily if I want to sit out in, in the evening uh uh, uh, the porch area. So I'm looking for a tree that's not going to be real sloppy to clean up. I had a magnolia tree a couple of years ago. I had to uh, um, cut it down because it was just too, too sloppy. So I'm looking for something uh, uh, that has a good foliage and just going to be pretty and something like about 12 feet tall. So what would you recommend? And when would you recommend me to plant it? Uh 
probably 12 feet tall. I would look at uh, the uh, tree-type service berry, S-E-R-V-I-C-E-B-E-R-R-Y. Say that again? I'm sorry. Service berry. Okay. And don't get the shrub type. Get the tree type. It'll be a single trunk. Now, anything that you plant, you realize... Regardless, even if you get it to you know five, six, seven feet tall, it's going to take several years before you're going to get any shade out of it. Oh, so nothing well, is going to give nothing's going to give I you instant shade. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Anything else besides the service berry? Uh, there's varieties of crab apple that you might consider, but that's you know they do have fruit. So okay. they're relatively okay. small. I mean, just even okay. a traditional dogwood would be okay. Uh, something a little bit unusual, you might get a redbud tree, but get the redbud tree that has purple leaves as opposed to, let's say, regular green leaves. Okay, okay. That, that'll, that'll get me started out, I'll, and I'll, uh, if I need to call you back, I will do that. Right. Okay. And the, the trees are available. The trees can be planted if you, if whatever your favorite garden center is, uh, they can be planted really through the winter time as long as the ground is not frozen. Okay. Okay. Good. Thank right. you so much, Mike, and have a good weekend. You do the very same Bye-bye. thing. Let's head over to Pat's yard now. Hi, Pat. Good morning. How are you? Good. I have a river birch tree, and I need to prune it. I don't know when to prune it, and then my next question is, what is the, I guess, maximum percentage of the tree I can take out without killing it? And the tree is about 10 years old, maybe 20 or 22 feet tall. Uh, Basically, with the river birches, beech trees, and maple trees, they prefer to be pruned during the summertime. The reason for that is because there's going to be a, if you prune them in the wintertime, there's a lot more sap flow. And that just causes people anxiety and other things. A lot of times the trees can recover from it. It's not that major of a problem. But summer would be the ideal time. And then as far as percentage-wise, maybe 25 to 30% would be the maximum I would take off. Is today too late to prune it? Well, you're kind of on the... You could go ahead and do it uh, and, you know, I mean, just realize there, there potentially could be a whole lot of sap flow. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Sure. And then the sap flow is problematic from, you know, various reasons, you know, but uh, a lot of times the trees can recover from it. So that's just, you know, be concerned with that. Andrew, how are you today? Hey, I'm good, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Sure. I've got a about a seven-foot-tall blue spruce. It gets full sun. We probably planted it about two years ago, and we're losing a lot of needles, especially on the bottom canopy. Um, we tried those fertilizer spikes for evergreens, and that doesn't seem to be doing much. I don't know if, if this is just too much sun or maybe we're not watering enough or what's going on. Basically, it's, so it's a, it's a blue spruce, you said, right? Yeah. Probably watch out. Don't overwater it. That could be more trouble than good. So they want to be dry. They want to be a really kind of an ideal situation would be where their native is growing in rocks. So there's very little soil. So if it's heavy, dense soil and there's a, you know too much moisture, that could be the problem. But if it's the interior needles that are turning brown, don't worry about it. That's what happens naturally with all the conifers. Okay. So 
you know, it's kind of that we have very clay soil. It's in Kirkwood. Right. Um, so maybe maybe we're overwatering. That right. Might be the it sounds like it. Okay. Well, we'll give that a try. Thank you. Yeah. So just stop watering it all together. Mike Miller, KM West Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Let's head over to Jill's yard. Jill, how are you today? Good morning, Mike. Hi. I have a question about deciding to plant either a sugar maple or a red maple. And I'm most interested in in really strong fall colors, that sort of orangey red of the New England um, sugar maples. Right. Can you recommend a cultivar and... Um, should I wait and see the tree color in person? I um, would do that. Okay. Because you, it sounds like you have a very specific need. Now, I will tell you, the color at the nursery may be a little bit different when you get it home and plant it in the ground because there could be other factors that influence the actual color. In other words, soil chemistry and things along that line. Shouldn't have a whole lot of impact, but just realize that you know how it's planted and everything else is going to have an impact on the overall health, consequently on the overall fall color that you're going to get. And our weather dictates fall color here. So if the weather is not good, then regardless of what tree you got or anything else, you're going to have maybe great fall color or maybe less than great fall color. Now, can a red maple be as strong in color ever as a sugar maple or uh, just you know, happenstance, according to what you were saying about the factors involved. But is there a red maple with really strong color? Nah, you know, I can't say that there is one variety that's going to be guaranteed to give you the fall color that you of what you're you know hoping for. The sugar maple, like I said, we have three of them around our house, and I've not. We've been in this house, I think, thirteen or fourteen years now. And pretty much every year they're giving pretty darn good color. Not exactly the same every year, but I've been very happy with them. I grew up in Maple Lane in Ellisville, but our maples were the silver maples, consequently no fall color. <laughs> do you remember the cultivar on yours? Is it fall fiesta or do you, do you recall? No, I don't recall because they they're street trees and they were planted by you know the city and they'd been there for a while. But it, you know, I, my guess is it's probably not, a, you know, any kind of special cultivar or variety. It's probably just, you know, the regular sugar maples. And um, this is size. I, I know they are tall trees, slow-growing tall. Um, how do you determine if the tree is too tall for the house uh, with regards to if there were a storm or something, or do you, with sugar maples being so party, uh, do you have to worry about that? Uh, just don't put, you know, anything, any kind of tree, don't put it too close to the house. Don't put it within 10 or 12 feet of your house at the minimum. Right. Could you put it, say, 20 feet from a small home? Yes, that would be smart. Okay. And last question is, on an oak leaf hydrangea, when should it be deadheaded? Uh, as soon as, the, you know, it's really up to you, but as soon as the uh, the bracts you know, the flowers, and uh-huh. they stop, you know, when they've lost their color, then go ahead and you can prune prune off the flowers at that time. Does it matter if you keep it on during the winter? Does it affect their growth in the spring? No, not at all. You okay. don't have to prune them. People that do the pruning is strictly an aesthetic thing. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Sure, my pleasure.
Okay, bye. And let's see, where should we go now? Let's go to Creevecore and into Norm's yard. Hi, Norm. Hi, Mike. Hi. Uh, we have a newly aerated lawn uh, and overseeded, and it's about one acre, and we don't have a sprinkler system. And I know you're supposed to keep watering, but it's going to be impossible <laughs> to water the entire area. What do you think? Uh, I would say just get, you know, a couple sprinklers, you know, and just, you know, run it. I don't know. How many faucets do you have on the outside of your house? We have one in the front, one in the back. Yeah, so just water. You know, you can't do it all at once, but just sort of like start, in a, let's say, a line, and then just migrate across. So within a, you know, a week or 10 days, you're getting water on all of it. Okay. <laughs> so... Didn't plan on having the uh, dry uh, ground. <laughs> no, right. I agree. Okay. That's what we will do then. All right. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Like, I have two different sprinklers, and even though we have a you know a small city yard, what I do is I run a hose, put one sprinkler, and I have one that, you know, you can unscrew and connect another hose on the other side of the sprinkler, and then I hook the second sprinkler, and that way I can do it a little bit faster. Okay, we will go for that. We'll right. try that. Thank you very much. Sure. And let's go. Flora, how are you today? Oh, I'm I'm just fine. Thank you. Hello? Hi. Oh, uh, what I'm calling about is you mentioned insecticidal soap for whenever you're bringing in uh, plants and things like mm-hmm. that. I raise my orchids in the basement and my lemons and things, and um, I've got some basil down there. But I've noticed I'm having a few gnats. And I put some gnat stuff down there, but I don't think it's working. But anyway, my question is, uh, okay, I know that I could probably spray the insecticidal soap on the orchids and the lemons. Those would probably be fine because I don't eat those. But what about the basil? Uh, you don't really, you know, the, the gnats are going to be problem. Gnats have a relatively short life. And for the most part... They lay their eggs in your potting mix and things along that line. So if you do a, you know, do a mix and just pour the insecticidal soap mixture on the soil, that's probably a better way to control it. You know, and oh. and also, insecticidal soap should be safe enough that you could spray it on edible type things. I wouldn't spray and then eat it that same day or make pesto that same day. But, uh, you know, within a day or two, you should be not have a problem with it. Okay. Okay. Well, today's watering day, so I don't see why I couldn't just mix up my insecticidal soap and put it in with the water that the orchids get. Right. And the orchids, I mean, they may be around the orchids, but they're, are these orchids that are in potting mix or are they in bark? They're in bark. Yeah, so they're probably not going to have too much of a problem with the, the gnats. Well, thank you so much. I sure. appreciate your show, and have a great day. Well, Bye-bye. thanks for having me on your show. And Mike Miller, KMR's Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, we're headed to Redbud, Illinois, and we're going into Paul's yard. Hi, Paul. Hi, Mike. Hi. Do you remember that I called you two weeks ago? About the green tomatoes in the brown paper bag? Yes, somebody actually complimented you on your knowledge, and she had success with her tomatoes in the first hour she called. Oh, I missed her. 
because oh. that, that's why I waited to call. I figured there, there's got to be somebody out there that did that. Right. They did. I and know. She, she had great success. I now have over a dozen red tomatoes in a bowl on my kitchen table. All right. So it works. Okay, great. Perfect. All right. That's all I've got. All right. Thanks, thanks. Paul. Yep. Bye-bye. And now let's go over to Barbara's. Hi, Barbara. Hi, Mike. This is Barbara. Hi. And my husband put some sod down a couple weeks ago, and he's got a question as far as watering, okay? Sure. Good morning, Mike. Hi. Uh, like I say, uh, three weeks ago, I put a pallet of sod down, and I've been watering it then every day for the first two weeks. After the first two weeks, I thought maybe it's enough watering as far as every day, so now I'm doing it every second day. When I put the sod down, I put some 12, 12, 12 at the same time, but I am wondering as I go into the fall, is there such a thing as too much watering? Should I go to every third or fourth day? Your recommendation. Probably. Uh, how long has it been down now? It was down um, three weeks Thursday. Uh, after basically the first couple weeks, if you just, you know, if you water it and water it thoroughly, you know, every seven to ten days when we don't have any rainfall, that should be adequate. You don't have to do it every three or four days. Okay. Didn't know if there's such a thing as overwatering as we go into the fall. Well, we could. It could be, and you know, the triple twelve. I wouldn't advise doing that, but uh, it's already down. You okay? I appreciate it. You have a safe day. You do the very same thing. And let's go to Joan's yard, and she lives in South City. Hi, Joan. Hi. Um, I was wondering, is it too late to kill, till up, compost, and put down new sod? Uh, as long as the garden centers have it, you should be okay. Okay. So seed-wise, I would say, oh. But sod-wise, as long as you get your ground, you know, all taken care of and everything else, you should be fine. Okay. That'd be great. Thank you so much. Sure. And now let's go to Bob. And it looks like Bob lives in Illinois someplace. Hi, Bob. Hi, Mike. <clears throat> Thank you for having me on your show. Because if you weren't there, I wouldn't be calling in. Uh, this would be a little difficult to explain, I think. I have a grass that's invading my yard. I have a fescue yard. And I have a couple of neighbors whose their yard is blanketed with this stuff. It's, a, it's very, very small leaf stuff. I guess it could almost look like moss, but it isn't. I've, I have spectacide broadleaf filter with crabgrass killer in it and nutsedge in it, and it doesn't kill this stuff. Uh, one neighbor has had so much trouble with it. The only thing she needed to do is she sprayed Roundup all over in these spots, and her yard looks like a, a pinto pony all over, <laughs> and she's going to try to reseed those spots. And this stuff, it, it doesn't, these yards, these two guys who have these yards with this, weed in it uh they don't get green until later until it gets really warm and it looks like some of it started to kind of die like the ends of the leaves are getting a little brown have you any idea what i've got here so the blades are really narrow is that what you're saying they're really small yeah really narrow my guess is you you might have bermuda 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 grass Go online okay. and just look at Bermuda grass and see if that's what you have. If you do, there's a very specific products that you know control the Bermuda other than something like Roundup. Can you buy that you know, retail wise? Uh, for the most part, no. There is a gentleman, uh, you know, several months ago that called and he said he bought his online, 
But unless you really have a state applicator's license, you're not supposed to be able to to use it. But uh, he did it, I don't want to say illegally, but he went ahead and purchased it himself. But check it out to see if it is Bermuda. And if so you, if I go to a, would a lawn service then be able to spray for this? Yes, stuff? they should be able to. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much, Mike. Yep, my pleasure. And uh, let's see, where do we need to go? Kyle, how are you today? Hello, Mike. Hi. Good morning. Um, I have I planted a new uh, some new landscaping this year. A couple of plants I have are the uh, crepe myrtles and hydrangeas. Wondering. Um, I heard you say you don't need to cut back the hydrangeas. Right. And that's just possibly a an aesthetic thing. What would you do if you had a hydrangeas? And also, what should I do with my crepe myrtles that, uh, that's going into the winter? How long have they been in the ground? They, you planted them this year? Yeah, uh, j- late June. Uh, basically, don't do any pruning on anything. If you want to cut the okay. flowers off, of the of your hydrangea, you can do that, but don't prune anything at all. Leave them all alone. Okay, great. My my hydrangeas never bloomed. Actually, they one of them had some blooms when they planted them, but the others never bloomed. So, uh, but they look pretty healthy. Okay, uh, could be you know, who knows? It might be variety wise or anything else. Sometimes it takes plants a couple years to acclimate to the spot before they're going to be able to produce. You know, because producing flowers really stresses plant material out. And it's better, you know, when they're really young and recently installed that they don't flower. Okay. Great. Thanks a lot. Sure. And now let's – Lynn lives in Eureka. Hi, Lynn. you got to do it kind of quick. Uh, yes. Several places in my yard I have these little mounds of dirt poofing up. They're about the size of a quarter. And if I kick them to the side – there's a whole a little hole about the size of a pencil. Is that some sort of a bug? Well, actually, it's earthworms. It's called earthworm castings. So oh. you got earthworms in your yard, and I don't want to say it's earthworm poop, but that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> so don't play with it. <laughs> yeah, right. Don't, you know. Oh, <laughs> so, Okay, thank you. <laughs> yeah, so in other words, you've got a healthy yard because you got earthworms, and what they do is they push that stuff up out of the ground because they don't want it around them. So anyway, that's the kind of the case. Good grief. Yeah. Who would have thunk? Thank you. Yeah, I've got them in my yard, too. I got earthworms. But, uh, yeah. And not being invaded by a, no. something from outer space. No, not that I can think of. Now, maybe, who knows, in Eureka, Eureka is a very strange place. Tell me. Well, thank you so much. Sure, my pleasure. Bye-bye. And that's going to about do it. So, Dan and Marie, we're not going to be able to get to you today, but I'm going to reemphasize the fact that it's been so, so, so dry. Get out there, and even like the gentleman that called that has an acre, how's he going to water? Just start watering and just migrate where you water. Just make sure that when you finish watering one area, go out there with a weeder and push it down. Make sure it can go into the ground pretty easily before you move your sprinkler. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline. I will see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.